Welcome to Innovating Music, a podcast from the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation. I'm your host, Dr. Gigi Johnson. It was such a treat to talk to Siddhartha Kosla. He not only does all of the original music, create original scores, do original instrumentation, not synthesizers, with all sorts of unusual instruments, but he's working on not just one show, not just two shows. Well, I'll let him tell you the rest of the story, but very excited to be sharing with you how he takes real instruments recorded live but not recorded where he is in his studio at times, though he performs many of the instruments, but how he combines traditional recordings and a distributed team to be creating phenomenal music for multiple television shows in this era of peak TV. So please enjoy his conversation about how he puts this all together and why this is such a great time now in his ability to create great music for great television. define the work you're doing? I make music for television and film. I make the original score for television and film for, for various number of shows and, and independent films and larger films and Netflix films. So I'm basically looking at picture all day. I'm seeing a, a, a cut, as we call it, of a particular show or film and putting the music to support the dialogue and to support um, what's happening in the scene. Uh, so you're, but, you're, but you're composing, yes. you're performing, you're kind of music supervising your own stuff, you're editing as well? Well, yeah, I mean, I have, um, it, it, as far as like the score is concerned, I, I write that, I perform a lot of it. Um, sometimes I will I will write stuff for other musicians, like a cellist, for example. And this is us for her. She plays on the score as well, so I, I will I will write parts for her to perform and play. But for the most part, I perform literally almost every note of the score of This Is Us with my own hands and fingers in my studio. And yeah, I produce all that music. And you're using both Western, non-Western, electronic. You're using a wide variety of tool sets that maybe. Both traditional and untraditional? I started my career in a band, um, singer-songwriter of a band called Gold Spot. And, uh, and so much of that, you know, being in a band for many years, you know, you learn to create your own sounds and make records. You know, when, you, when we made records, it was, we, we spent lots of time creating something that was uniquely ours and original. And, and that's what I try to bring to these scores. And so, yeah, and this is us. Um, Though it's a generally a very acoustic-based score, there's acoustic guitar, there's piano, uh, there's a bunch of weird Indian. There's a couple, couple like like little weirder instruments I use, a couple of Indian instruments I use, and even a Greek instrument. Um, so th it's a pretty. Uh, it's th th a lot of the world is covered on the. This is a score. Well, since I do have some folks listen to this podcast who are much more. Um, instrument diverse than I am. What are the instruments uh, that you've been using that are Indian and Greek instruments? Um, I use the bazooki a lot, which is a Greek instrument, which is kind of like a Greek, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a Greek, uh, it's like a Greek mandolin in a way. Um, and, uh, and so I use that on the score a lot. I use a harmonium, which is a, like an Indian accordion. And so you hear that in, in the score um, a fair amount, um, especially Especially this past season, it's 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 I've been leaning on it a lot more. 
how did you end up getting to this level of multi-instrumentality, a technical ability? And I mean, where did, where did you start from with all this stuff? Well, I think, you know, the beauty of, um, <clears throat> you know, of any career, artistic or otherwise, is that you're always learning along the way, you know, even when things aren't going your way, you know, even when like you're struggling to make ends meet or struggling to get your voice heard. There's a lot that happens in the, along the way that you don't realize is benefiting you in a huge way, you know? So when I started my band, after college, I started my band and performing and playing as much as possible. You know, I started working with other musicians who knew Pro Tools, for example, and Pro Tools is, is, a, is, is, is one type of software that songwriters, composers, people used to record their music. And um, watching someone in my band, you know, use Pro Tools really began teaching me, you know, the technology. And in, in that moment, I learned, this was many years ago, like, you know, learned how to actually, like, record my own music. And that's a valuable tool. I mean, and even before Pro Tools, I was recording on, on Tascam four-track recorders, you know, on tapes. You know, there's, there's a lot you can learn along the way. And that's when I was trying to get my band to break and for people to hear it and to get a record deal or whatever, all those things I was trying to do back in the day. So back in the day, in the college side, were you a creative college person, a tech college person? I was not a tech college person. I was a, I was a history major, um, but I always sang. I sang in like acapella groups in college and <clears throat> um, I'd been singing since I was a kid. Um, so, I, I mean, art and music, you know, music was a big part of my, it's always been a big part of my life. In college, you know, it was just me kind of picking up a guitar. I learned to play guitar. I picked up guitar in college and on my own kind of taught myself how to play and, and tried to figure out, you know, to, I tried to learn other songs of bands that I liked, you know, like learning Beatles songs or learning, uh, you know, Radiohead songs or whatever, you know, that, that's kind of, uh, that's what you do uh, as, a, as a young musician. Um, and then it took some, you know, and, and then you learn technology along the way. You watch other people do it. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, I was a band member that knew how to use Pro Tools, and I learned from him. And that was, I, I mean, what was that? That was 10 years? That was, no. That was, um, how long ago was that? That's almost like 18 years ago. Wow. So, I, I find time to get so wonky when we start thinking about technology and um, I have kids in their 20s, and I keep saying, well, back when I had X, Y, Z, and they're going, you had what? What was the tech that you were using for something like that? Right. We kind of learn and relearn, right, um, about tech. But that's a big part of it. And so when you have that as a, you know, and again, like, I, I, at the time, I didn't realize how valuable it would be for me to know that um, until now when I'm scoring and composing TV shows and films where I'm on these crazy deadlines and I have to basically write and record stuff and send it back within a couple of days, you know, having that ability to, to, to know how to record and engineer my own stuff is a very, very, it's like, it's half the battle. And you get to engineer out of a space in your home. Yeah. I have a recording studio and, um, and, and, and so it's kind of a, it's, it's this really nicely designed recording space, and um, and so I have all my gear here. So, how did you go from being a band member who knew how to use Pro Tools and and uh, four track recorders to the really intriguing spot you are now in, 
in working with music for film and TV? Um, after, you know, I put out a few albums, you know, my music would get played a lot on, on, on radio stations in LA, like uh, KCRW specifically. Um, um, KCRW is kind of the thing that, the station that really broke my band. Um, so I was on Morning Becomes Eclectic with Nick Harcourt and Nick was a big, you know, uh, he, was, he was like a, a great DJ that on um, KCRW um, that that helped me immensely. And um, so getting played on stations like KCRW um, brought my music to the attention of producers and directors who he would live in Los Angeles and listen to that station because that station is, you know, um, you know, I may be biased, but I think it's I think it it, it was at least always the 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 place we could find the most interesting music on tele uh, you know on radio at least out here. Um, it, it, it also has a listenership that also is eclectic yeah. and is looking for new music that is involved in the film and TV industry. Right, and obviously now you have stations like KCSN that are amazing, you know, and so they're they're all you know. But for me, back in the day, it was KCRW. And um, anyway, so you know, my music would get heard by all these producers and directors, and so my songs ended up getting placed in various television and films. My songs that I'd written for Goldspot for my band. So I was on like How I Met Your Mother, or I would be on the OC um, to like, so my songs would get placed in all sorts of these really, really um, in, 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 in content that was really helping drive, um, you know, to help move artists careers forward. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, so inside the industry, people started to know who I was or like what my songs were. So that's one piece of it. And then the other side of it is that Dan Fogelman, um, who had written Cars and Crazy Stupid Love and like all these other movies. Crazy Stupid Love was maybe after. But um, Dan and I went to college together and um, we've been really good friends for a long time and we never really worked together, but he was always a fan of my band and, and supported what I did and, I, and I, I loved his work. And, and he called me out of the blue one day and said, hey, we're looking for a composer for our television show called The Neighbors on ABC. Um, they were going to their second season and they were looking for a composer. And he called me to ask me if I wanted to do it. And I reluctantly accepted. Like, I didn't know if it was something I wanted to do. And, and Did you know what it would entail even from the outside when you were asked to say yes to this? No, I mean, not at all. I just, I knew that it would, I knew that it was scoring. I, I knew that, I knew the, I, I knew I had to write music. I had to score television music. So television, I had to score a television show. So that's all I knew. Um, I didn't know kind of how difficult um, it would be or, or how intense it would be. And um, Dan trusted me to take this, to do this job for him. And I took the gig and, and um, there was a massive learning curve for me at first. Um, and, you know, you, all of a sudden I was no longer making albums that I could spend years making. I was, I was now given an episode of television and told that I need to turn around the music for this episode in like four days. So it was really daunting at first. And, um, and uh, I, there were a lot of sleepless and um, a lot of nights where I was just like really nervous about what I did to pull it off. But I did pull it off. And, um, and I think that's what kind of showed me and the people at the studio and, and Dan and other people that I could, that I was really like, I was, I was actually kind of meant to do this, you know, and, um, and, you know, I, I was, I'm always, I'm eternally grateful for, for Dan taking that chance on me and believing in me. And, and so 
that led to a whole other world then. And all of a sudden I started doing independent films and then I started doing a drama called The Royals. And, and um, then I was doing multiple television pilots a year. There were two years in a row where I did like five pilots each year. Um, wow. <laughs> that is, especially since they're all simultaneous. Yeah, they're all happening, pretty much to go through pilot season. Right. It was all happening at the same time. And I was scoring it all from the East Coast. You know, I had a studio. I was working in a space in Brooklyn. Um, and then, and then um, I, was also, I was also scoring out of my daughter's nursery in her apartment. So it was, it was, you know, I was basically like, I, it was, I, there was, it was not a professional operation at all. It was just kind of, the music sounded professional, but like, but if you looked at my setup, you would laugh. I mean, I was literally, there was like a crib in the room right behind me. It was crazy, you know, trying to get work done. Um, but I got it all done. And, uh, and then eventually, you know, then This Is Us came along and that was also created by Dan. So Dan came back and he's like, oh, I got this other show now. You know, why don't you take a look at this? So, so given all that, you've you've had to kind of hack the tech to make that work in disparate environments and all that fun stuff. How how is the tech of how you do this changed from where you started to now? Um, I think um, not. Not the, the, from the tech side, I'm still using Pro Tools. That mm-hmm. I just my gear has gotten better. I have more. <laughs> I have like I have I have like nicer things, <laughs> so I have uh, you know I have more professional gear now than I ever had before, and so now I have kind of like the state of the art stuff that you would find in any you know really high end studio, and so um, and and that's the difference. It's just I've I've upgraded my my gear um, to stuff that is cleaner and nicer and 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 richer sounding, and um, um, because obviously like I have to create a, a sonic uh, landscape in my work that can live on like a big movie screen if I need to, or it has to also, you know, it has to, it has to move people when they're listening to it. It can't just be this, this tiny little thing that's, that's, that doesn't sound great, you know? So um, that's the big difference. Uh, my methodology and techniques are still the same. I'm, I'm still, I still try to make my own sounds as much as possible, like I did when I was making my albums. I, I, I try not to rely on virtual instrumentation as much as possible. Virtual instrumentation is, you know, I have a, is, is like you've got a keyboard and the keyboard's got, a, in the most lay way I can ex- explain it, that you've got a keyboard and you can access a bunch of different sounds like cello sounds and piano sounds and, and glockenspiel sounds or whatever and you're playing it all on this one keyboard using samples. Um, I try to stay clear of that as much as I possibly can. So it helps though that you can play a diverse set of instruments yourself? Yeah, or write parts for other people to play, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. so, and it also, it also maintains an authenticity and organic quality to the music that you can never get with virtual instrumentation. You can get close, but never really well, are you, though, working people who are not necessarily in the same room with you, so you're using sort of telecreation tools to be able to collaborate at a distance, or is everybody in person with no, you? No, nobody's in person with me. Um, I, ha- I, I, I think I would lose my mind if that were the case. <laughs> um, but, uh, but there, you know, I have, um, I have a great team. I have, a, you know, I have an assistant that mixes everything for me um, and creates stems for me, you know. So basically I will give... I'll write a piece of music, record it, send it to my assistant, and he will 
mix it and get it to sound great and and then provide the individual tracks back to production. So if they want to bring up the acoustic guitars or they want to lose the vocals or they want to bring up the drums, they can have make those adjustments there. Um, so that's one part of the process that's that, that's a big change as well. Like I, I never had an assistant, you know, up until a few years ago. And um, and I was I was mixing everything myself, which was adding a lot of time. Um, and so now my assistant does that for me, and that's a that's a big it's a big help. I also have an assistant composer that assists me um, and will co-write on on some cues with me here and there. Um, and he's fantastic as well. And he works out of his own space. And and um, and yeah. Are you guys in the same time zones or not? Yes, we are. Um, there's there's okay. also a third person that's some that's um, that's in New York, and uh, he's in Brooklyn, and um, so he's in a different time zone. But um, but we make it work. So going in the weeds slightly, but an area that I'm occasionally interested in is um, how do you do this securely in a world where people are hacking stuff all the time? Um, well, we have um, we are we we are, we exchange information and 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 picture on secure servers okay and you know that's kind of the requirement of a lot of the projects we work on um you know in my marvel series we've got a whole we got a very there's a very sophisticated system of of um <coughs> using like google authentication and stuff like that and you know getting text messages to my phone with codes before i even log into my email so then there's a very sophisticated system in place uh, yeah. yeah, something of great concern for a lot of people nowadays. And I know that p folks working on tracks for a long time have been working on a bunch of different technologies. Uh, but it's not, it, it's great that you can do a lot of things at a distance, but the, the lockdown on it's actually kind of important. Yeah, I, I think that that is a, that, that's, that's become a new thing. You know, it wasn't always the case in the past that we were always just sending files however we wanted to. Now we just have to be more careful. And, and it's, a, it's an added step, but it's worth the, worth the, uh, worth the uh, peace of mind. So how many different shows and projects are you working on now? Um, I do. I have four television shows that are running concurrently now. I have the, This Is Us, um, Marvel's Runaways, um, which is now about to start. Second season is going to start airing this week, I think, or next week, the 21st, I believe. Um, uh, the Kids Are All Right for ABC. Um, and um, I've been, I came in like kind of middle season to work on this show called Rel on Fox and cuts a comedy. I'm, I'm about to start another project for Hulu soon um, that I can't really talk much about right now because it's unannounced, um, but that's going to be amazing. I'm very excited about that one. Um, and, um, and I'm doing a Netflix movie right now. So there's a lot happening at the same time. Um, so there's a little sleep and, um, <laughs> and, um, and, and this is seasonal work though, in some ways, right? During, during the peak of production season or in working with folks like Hulu and Netflix, does that timing change? I'm sorry, what was your question? The seasonality of the craziness. So you have a lot of things going at the same time. Are Hulu and Netflix projects then on a slightly different cycle so it spreads it? Or are you still then really hot and heavy during the core of traditional production season? Well, you know, it's it's somewhere in between. Um, it's It all feels like it's hitting at once, so it, it still feels overwhelming. Um, but, you know, like I, I'm trying to think of um, my Hulu show, we started production in the summer 
and it took us all the way through November um, to do an entire season of my Hulu show that's about to start airing, uh, the the kid the um, Marvel's Runaways. So, you know, that was from that work started in July, went all the way through the end of October, right? So. Um, but then this is us started in August and is going all the way through March. Um, so there is a lot of overlap, you know, I'd say maybe half the season of runaways overlapped with the first half of the season of this is us. So, um, so it is, so it is happening concurrently, like, you know, oftentimes and my, and the kids are all right, which is an ABC show that's on, this is us a schedule. So that's happening at the same exact time. The Fox show is happening at the same exact time. So, um, I guess the one uh, saving grace for me about the Hulu shows is that, um, I started working on those, you know, I had two months of just working on those shows in June, in July, August, you know, before everything else kicked in. But, you know, um, schedule's pretty intense. The beauty of working on the Hulu project is that we have more time. You know, I would have like, on This Is Us, I, I sometimes have like literally like four or five days within which to really write all the score for a particular episode. But on Marvel's Runaways, we had like, you know, a month. I mean, it was a dream. So it was a lot of time. Wow. It, it seems like such a fabulous treadmill you're on um, that has so many things fitting into concurrent timelines. Do you have any wish list things that would make your life easier, better, faster, more creative in this sort of confluence of tools and tech that you've got wrapped around you? Um, I think if I did less, <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, there's, there's part of you as an artist that, you know, there's kind of, there's the band part of me um the guy that that has that spent most of his life in a band most of his professional life in a band that that is that says well maybe take less projects and just do the ones you really want to do that you can and and just focus on that and then there's the other side of of the artist which is like wait a minute i'm an artist and i'm actually like able to make a living doing this so um i should i should kind of do multiple projects because i don't know what's going to be around in two years. I don't know what's going to get canceled or what's not going to be here. And, and I need to support my family. Right. So there's, there's all these, those, those are competing interests. Um, so in an ideal world, yeah, I would do less projects that would make my life a lot easier. And I would focus on, you know, just doing a couple shows um, and that I truly believed in and wanted to do. And then I would be able to put, hundred percent into everything. Um, right now I, I, I mean, I am able to put hundred percent into everything, but it's at the expense of spending time with my family and, and my, um, and my, and, and, you know, and, and not going on vacation as much. So, <laughs> so I think that would be it, you know, uh, otherwise I really wouldn't change the thing. I mean, I'm, I feel very lucky also doing this, you know, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, in, in, we're in a golden age of, of television where people from film are doing television and television is the new film in a way, you know, it's where everyone wants to be because there's a lot of great stuff happening and there's so much of it. Um, yeah. I think someone is, I think I've heard now four times in the past month that there's now over 500 shows in production right yeah, now. Yeah, It's nuts. I mean, I, it, there's, there, there are a lot of, there's, there's, there's no dearth of content and, um, and, 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 I, and I'm grateful for that, you know. As far as if I were to a wish list within what my current schedules are, is yeah, I wish we had more time for everything. 
<laughs> I really wish there was more time. Uh, like the broadcast schedule is just brutal. That's just, especially on a show like This Is Us, which is such an artfully, beautifully made show. Um, it's, 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 I think it's the best, you know, broadcast show on television in a decade. And, um, and, and, and it is real art on television, that show from the writing, the performances to the direction and the music and everything. It just is an artful project. It's, it's, um, it's remarkable that we are able to get this quality of production and, uh, and, 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 and content on a broadcast schedule because our, our timeline is just, it's insane. We have no time every week is a new episode. And so it's, it doesn't, it's not like we are working on this stuff months in advance. So I think time would be the other thing. If I wish we had well, I would say also that show is just so incredibly visible and your work is very visible from it. Have you found that your work being uh, so, um, so seen in that, in that, um, production is changing the way people interact with you or look at your music? Absolutely. There's no question. I mean, I, I, there's an awareness about what I'm doing um, that I never quite had with my band even, you know, I had some awareness, people like knew about it and had some press here and there, but the, the level of engagement is very different here um, because you're also dealing with like, you know, you're dealing with two types of art converging into one. You know, you've got the visual element of the of it being a show that people watch, and then there's the music inside of it, and um, and one informs the other in a way. And and so when you have passionate fans of the show like we do, um, they are looking for they're moved by everything on the show, including the music. And so um, normally. Television, music, back in the day, no one really cared about it. You know, no one really, it just went kind of unnoticed. It was just like wallpaper in the back. It just didn't do much. Um, and, and now, over the last several years, with the advent of all this great content, people are paying attention to, to every element of it. And, and everyone's trying to make elevated television. And, and not everybody, but... A lot of people are trying to make elevated television. And, and so, yeah, I, I think because of all that, stuff like music gets paid attention to a lot more than it ever had. You know? Um, so, yes, I find that it's, it's, um, I'm getting noticed in a different way. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Anything that your current self would have wanted to tell your younger self to get more ready for this or to be seeing what was coming up the pike or things that you could have, would have, should have? Um, I don't know. And there's, there's, you know, I didn't go to music school and um, a lot of composers I know did go to music school, conservatories and, you know, film scoring schools. And, um, and so I never did that. My path was kind of, uh, it was more in Instinctual, I guess, is the only way to describe it. Like I just kind of worked off of instinct and what I felt, and um, I taught myself how to play music. I read, I, I kind of like everything was by ear, you know. Like I, I, I never really, I never, I never had like official training in in um, in in music. It was all by ear. So part of it is good in that I tend to bring a different perspective 
to score than other people might mm-hmm. for better or worse. I'm not saying it's better necessarily, but um, you know, cause mine's coming from, it comes from feel and feeling and emotion and I can feel the emotion in a scene and, and feel a moment and, and play to it just off of what my, my gut is telling me. And that feels, that feels really nice to do that. It feels, I, I feel, I feel like an artist constantly. So it feels great, but you know, maybe if I had also um, gone to a conservatory, gone to music school, maybe I would have had a wider breadth of knowledge too, that, that could also help me. Um, I haven't felt any limit. I've never felt limited to this day. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, um, if anything, you, you're kind of, you're, whatever you're unable to do, you know, there are a million people out here that are, that all play a part in, that, that all are contributing in a way to, to the music on television and film from orchestrators to musicians to composers and so there are a lot of wonderful people you can also collaborate with and work with um, mm-hmm. and, and so that's what you learn to do when you're unable to do something on your own you know and I think that's kind of like the best most valuable lesson I've learned too is the art of collaborating with people that are going to make your work better um, so um, if I look well, I think that's good I think that's a good combination kind of advice to prior self that that you didn't need necessarily to go to music school and i say this of course as someone who works out of a music school um, but then you're able to bring a lot of other people to the table to amplify your work right and so you know there are you know i think ultimately the most important thing is that you are creating the best possible music you can for the scene and um and there are multiple ways to do it you know there's a lot of composers that also are unable to play their own instruments that can maybe play one or two instruments and, and that's their instrument and they write for everyone to play everything else. So, you know, they might be, they might think, Oh, I wish I were in a band at one point where I had to play a bunch of different instruments, you know, so I could, so I could do this on my own, you know, whereas that's something I'm able to do. I'm able to play basically anything I need on my scores with the exception of like a, uh, you know, a, a violin or a cello, I can kind of, you know, or a horn, I can kind of play, you know, <laughs> I can play a bunch of different keyboard instruments, I can play guitars, I can play drums, I can play piano, I can, you know, so that helps me um, as well. So, and my point is at the end of the day that, that um, there are lots of talented people here who, who, can, who can help you, you know, become better at what you do. Well, Siddhartha, I appreciate the conversation and how you're combining your gut, live performance, and able to be able to play diverse instruments, and yet collaborative tech, ways that you have working with people with tech, and how your toys and toys and tech have gotten better under just a great core set of technologies that you use for creative, fabulous work in this. Uh, peak TV era of so many different projects you're working on. Any closing comments you'd like to make um, after the stuff we've talked about in this podcast? Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, you know, to be a film and television composer, I, I actually find a lot of the personality types of composers to be very similar. Um, I find that we're all incredibly hardworking and, um, we uh there's a discipline to the work on some level um 
to be able to get it done in a in, 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 in a compressed amount of time. So I think that if you are to pursue a career in this, and I, I, the only words of advice I give is that you have to be you have to really work hard. It's just not um, it's not like being in a band and you could spend you know three years making a record and and um, not to say that being in a band is not hard. It is hard. It's very difficult and there's a lot of sweat equity that goes into that as well. But um, a lot of people, a lot of band members are not able to transition out of it into this world because they're not, the deadlines kind of consume them. And being able to work with um, people that give you notes on your music consumes them, you know? Um, so you have to be willing and you have to be open to taking feedback from directors and producers and editors. And, and you, it's a highly, highly collaborative process. Um, so, you know, that I think that's for anyone entering this kind of work, you have to be able to collaborate. You have to be able to work your butt off. Um, and, um, and I guess my general motto, uh, as I do this work is I, I treat every gig like it's my first and, and, and my last, um, and, and it keeps every project exciting for me. It makes the people I work for see how much I love working on their projects. Um, and I also make sure I put something that I'm artistically proud of as, as if this were to be the last thing I ever did, you know? So, um, yeah, that's it. Um, and, and thank you for letting us take time away from your home studio where you're working and, and capturing a, an hour out of your day here. I appreciate your taking the time to talk with us. And we look forward to hearing your various adventures and the continuing work on This Is Us and everything else that you bring to our ears on film and TV. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Many thanks to the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation for being our hosts of this ongoing series. You can subscribe to us in all the usual places, or you can come find us at innovation.schoolofmusic.ucla.edu. Join us again to follow the other adventures that we will be tracking down in innovating music. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.